Good morning. We're so happy you're here this morning. Would you stand and worship with us?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for these truths this morning. This holiday weekend's upon us. We're reminded of sacrifices made for our country. That brings us back to the greatest sacrifice that you made for us. Conquering sin and death so we can have a relationship with you without barriers. We thank you for your grace, your amazing grace, and your faithfulness. That we can have a relationship with you. We can read your scriptures to get to know you, to learn about your promises for us. And reading your scriptures, we know that the answers to those promises are always yes and amen. Lord, we are forever forever grateful for that. As we read more and more of your scripture, we can build a foundation that you've set for us, building our lives upon your word, upon your scripture, upon your grace. We thank you for those things this morning. We ask you to soften our hearts for the message that we hear this morning and help us draw closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, welcome to Crossroads, this Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we're so glad that you've joined us in person or online, and uh, if this is the first time you're, you're here, please go into our Welcome Center, and uh, thank you, Kyle, and uh, we have a small gift as a thank you for you being in our service. Uh, we're looking for graduating high school and college seniors. We want to celebrate you, so please send in your pictures and graduating information to our office. Uh, VBS will be uh, July 12th through the 16th this year, so mark your calendars. That's July 12th through the 16th. They're registering now. Uh, I've heard they need volunteers, as you can imagine. There'll be tons of kids all over this place. Uh, See Chrissy or Kim in the foyer as you leave, please. Uh, While you're marking your calendars, the car cruise runs every Tuesday starting this week, right out June the 1st. There'll be cars all over the place. And so that's all the way through Labor Day. I I know the guys really love that. We will be celebrating uh, Father's Day uh, with uh, breakfast sandwiches on June 20th. You know, if Kenny's involved, he's going to take care of the guys. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Movie night. Yeah, June 18th. uh, The the movie's called The the Crods, right? Cruise. I told my... I got it right last night. I told my grandkids, what's this? They said, it's good. Just say it, Paps. Okay. The, cr- the crods. Wait, they hear that. Okay. Oh, God. So sign up in the foyer. And Tabby, uh, Tabby needs some uh, volunteers. And uh, Tabby's hu- Tabby and her husband bought a fancy car. And I'm, I'm not going to get into it. But it's a see, Z06. Is that right? She said you hit a button and uh, the exhaust goes straight through. And you hit another button, and it has nitrous. You know, I can't listen. I can't even buy a lawn tractor. So I don't know. I don't even know how this. She must be the greatest woman I ever met. You know. Okay. So hey, and, uh, thank you so much for your uh, giving to the Lord. You can give here in our boxes in the church, or you can give online or through the mail. And uh, we just want to thank you. We've been thanking God all through this pandemic. We can't appreciate that so much. Uh, Okay, Kenny wanted me to mention the June prayer journals are available in the foyer. 
Alrighty, so if you do, uh, if the guys would be so kind, we have a little video here that's uh, related to Memorial Day. so unworthy to say anything, so I think I'll quote a few guys that could do it better. This is from Winston Churchill. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. Harry Truman said, our debt to the heroic men and valiant women in the service of our country can never be repaid. They have earned our undying gratitude. America will never forget their sacrifices. President Ronald Reagan said, and if words cannot repay the debt we owe these men and women, surely with our actions we must strive to keep faith with them and with the vision that led them to battle and to final sacrifice. And I've got to quote General George Patton. Now, I can't say exactly. I'm going to paraphrase. He says that uh, rather than emphasize mourning, he says we should thank God that these people lived. So let's just thank God together. Dear God, we just thank you so much for this Memorial Day. As Kyle said, our our greatest thanks is to you for your son who died on the cross for us. Uh, And Father, but we live in this world where uh, we have to stand for the rights that you've given to us. And uh, many of these people uh, have died. And help us to honor the men and women for what they've done that we could spread the gospel all over this world. So we love you, God, and we thank you. And uh, may this service bring honor to your name. In thy name we ask it. Amen.
Good morning. Good morning to those who are with us and for those who are viewing online. We're so glad that you're able to be with us today. Well, last Sunday, Pastor Ken spoke about the sower, the seed, and the soil. And he mentioned three things that hinder a person's growth in Jesus Christ. He said our enemy is Satan, personal persecutions that will come, and the cares of this world. Pastor Ken shared with us that Jesus told parables to the crowds, which were simply earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Today, we're going to look at three parables that help portray a picture about the kingdom of God. The phrase the kingdom of God is used more than 80 times in the New Testament. And the phrase the kingdom of heaven is used 32 times in the book of Matthew, but is found nowhere else in the New Testament. The first time it was used was by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, when he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are actually synonyms. According to Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, the reason the phrase, the kingdom of God, is not used in the Old Testament is because devout Jews in an effort not to misuse the name of God, which would be breaking the third commandment, would use alternate words. The word heaven is one such alternate word for the name of God. An example of this is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 18. We read about, we'd read about the prodigal son. And he had gone and left his family and he had just lost all the money that his father had given him as the inheritance. He goes back to his dad and he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Well, the kingdom of God is an absolute monarchy and a foundational sin in the human race is our refusal to honor God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, we read the following. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Ultimately, God desires to reign over us, but not as a tyrant, not as an ogre, but rather as one who passionately cares for us and who loves us. The first parable we're going to look at today is the lamp. And in Mark chapter 4, verse 21 through 23, we read the following. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The parable of the soils that we looked at last week focused on the recipients of the gospel or good news that Jesus went to the cross. He died and he rose again the third day so that you and I may have eternal life, forgiveness of sin and and just a new life in him. Those soils represented those who would ultimately reject him or those who would genuinely embrace him. The parables we will explore today highlight the responsibility of those who hear as a witness of Jesus Christ. Jesus was calling his disciples and he's calling each of us who have placed our faith in him to be a faithful witness. Simply to be a faithful witness. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, we read, But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Imagine that, the hope that is within you. If you're listening online today or if you're with us here in the auditorium, if Jesus Christ has forgiven you, is a part of your life, and you have him in a relationship, the hope is that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that you are worthy before him, that you will spend eternity with him in heaven. That's an amazing story, isn't it? That is a hope that is within you. And First Peter is telling us, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. It doesn't mean you go around smiling all the time, right? Boy, I've got the joy of Jesus and I never frown. That's not true. Everything's perfect in my life and because God is there for me, I know everything's great. Not always the case, is it? But the reality is, even if our life is falling apart, God is still God. And in his infinite mercy and grace, he's able to hold things together. Not what we're able to do, what he's done. So for the hope. I love Jesus said, cast the demons out of a man. The Bible tells us about this man living in the caves and he's, he's tied up with chains and he's breaking the chains and just all kind of crazy things were taking place. And Jesus delivered him. He experienced Jesus' love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, everything. And the man said, Jesus is going to leave with his disciples. The man said, Jesus, I want to go with you. Listen, I, I want to be with you. This is awesome. I don't want to be away from you. I want to be with you. And Jesus said, sorry, you can't come with me. I want you to go back home. I want you to tell the story for the hope that is within you. I want you to let people know what great things have been done for you. We have a little picture of a lamp, and it's sort of the terracotta lamps that were used. And what Jesus was referring to, simply a small pitcher or saucer, and it had a handle on one end. The pitcher would be filled with oil, and a wick would be placed on top of the oil. In order to maximize the radiance, they would be placed on a shelf or on a, a lampstand. When Jesus spoke of this, everyone knew it would be of no benefit to put it under a bed or under a basket. It wouldn't make sense, right? Has anybody here, ev here ever put the flashlight on on your cell phone and you're using it and then you put it in your pocket and you're walking around and somebody says to you, hey, what, what's that light in your, in your pocket? It happens to me all the time, <laughs> right? And it's like, I don't know. And you realize, oh, I forgot to... But listen, when I use a flashlight on my phone, if I put it in my pocket, that doesn't do any good, does it? Have you ever had a power outage and you thought, oh, I need the flashlight? You go to turn on the flashlight, no light. You realize you took out the batteries. Or maybe the batteries are corroded and they're dead. just doesn't work. The reason Jesus was speaking of that lamp, because it had a light that was able to shine. In fact... In Israel, the River Jordan supplies two lakes. One is the Sea of Galilee. It's full of fish and plant life. It's thriving. The other is the Dead Sea. 
and it has nothing in it moving at all. Both lakes have the same source, but only the Sea of Galilee has an outlet. That's a challenge in this passage. We are not to hoard the good news we have received, but rather is to be shared with and experienced by others. See, we can make a choice, right? And I'm not talking about saying you've got to go out and be Billy Graham. I don't think we have any Billy Grahams in this room today, right? I'm not saying that you have to be the one who's, who's on the street and proclaiming Jesus. We're just talking about being a faithful witness. Being ready to offer the hope that is within you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. We read, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, which is in heaven. How many people remember this little light of mine? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Do you know what the crazy part of that is? It's not you being perfect. It's the light of Jesus Christ. It's allowing Jesus to shine through you. It's so that people will be able to see and experience what you have been able to experience. It's not about working harder. It's not about if I could just be better, then people would see Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus is able to be seen in your brokenness. Jesus is able to be seen when you think you have nothing left to give. It could be that you feel like you're at your absolute weakest part of your life. And Jesus is shining forth brighter than ever before. Do you know why? Because it's not what you're able to do. It's what he's able to do through you. Jesus was challenging his disciples. He's challenging us today to not simply enjoy the benefits of having a relationship with him. He does not want us to be a reservoir. He wants us to be a conduit. He wants it to go forth through us. In every generation since the disciples of Jesus Christ, believers in him are to fulfill the words of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Here we read that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness in to his marvelous light. From darkness to light. From sin to righteousness. John chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 tells us in him is life. And the life was a light of men. The light shined in darkness and the darkness could never overcome it. That's what Jesus is able to do. He is the light. In Mark chapter 4, verse 24 and 25, we read the following. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. And then he said, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus was not only calling his disciples and all believers through every generation since to be a faithful witness, but also to be an attentive and an active listener. 
not just to listen, to take in more and more and more truth from his word, but to be able to go forth and use what he's given us, to use what we know. William Barclay said, in life there is a law of increase. In order for the lamp to shine brightly, the oil had to be used and then more would be added to it. The purpose of the lamp was not to be a decoration filled with oil and a pretty wick. Every once in a while, people will have different things in their house, candles and different things, but they're never lit, right? They're just there for decoration. Because we can turn a, flip a switch and we have light. But in Jesus' time, they were dependent upon those. And it wasn't that it was so beautiful. It was just terracotta. It was just a saucer, a little pitcher. It was because of the value of what was in it. And that was the light. And that's what Jesus wants to give us today. At harvest time, a farmer could expect to get back from his field only what he had put into it. And ultimately, by God's grace, he would reap what he, what he had sown. In Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, we read this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Farmers are at the mercy of many factors outside their control. And they have been met with discouragement and defeat many times. Some of you have planted gardens in the past. And some of you have maybe spent time on farms. And you know what can happen. You can work the soil. You can plant. You can water. And you can go out day after day and nothing takes place. You're not seeing what you're hoping to take place. Ultimately, so much of that growth is out of our control. But what keeps them moving forward and not giving up? Well, I think two things. One is the memory of the past harvest. Hey, we've done this before. It's, it's going to happen, Right? It's going to happen. Things, good things are going to take place. And the other is just reminding themselves that they can only do their part. In the same manner, what keeps a faithful witness of Jesus, who has met, been met with discouragement and defeat, who is determined to be an attentive and active listener to the Lord, and his word to continue to move forward and not give up. Listen, we've all had those times where we've wanted to be a great witness for Jesus. Maybe you've shared some of your story. You've shared your faith. You've planted. You've worked. You've prayed. You've done everything. And you didn't see a result. And sometimes the thought is, maybe it's better if I just quit and not do anything. But Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 tells us, And let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The reality is not to give up, just to continue on. Jesus shared two more parables that would serve as encouragements. The second parable that we're going to look at today is the growing seed. In Mark chapter 4, verse 26 through 29, we read the following. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day and his seed sprouts and grows he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. 
But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The first parable that would serve as an encouragement to those who would share their faith is about the growing seed. This parable picks up where the parable of the soil left off. And Jesus is comparing how things are in nature to how they are in the kingdom of God. Jesus was not only calling his disciples and all believers through every generation since to be a faithful witness, to be an attentive and an active listener, but also to be reliant on God to produce the result. To be reliant on God to produce the result. Let's look at this little plant that's sort of sprouting up. Some of you remember being a child or maybe you've had children and you plant a little seed in a little pot and the children will go to that pot minute after minute after minute because they're wanting to see what? They want to see the plant pop up, right? And usually what takes place, it pops up when nobody's looking. Just what happens. And maybe some of you have planted a garden and you've, you've gone out and you're looking and you're hoping to see something take place and all of a sudden something just, it happens. The life is in the seed. What's amazing about all this? A farmer is unaware how the seed grows. Yet he still sows and scatters the seed. Different plants require different planting methods. But how the seed transforms into a living plant, it's a mystery. It's outside of what we're able to do. And just like a farmer, when we share our faith in Jesus Christ with someone, we must remember that each person is an individual. It may require various planting techniques, But ultimately, we are not the one who produces spiritual life. When we plant a seed, we're not giving life to that seed. Right? That dormant seed, that's a God thing. And when we share, excuse me, our faith with someone, it's a God thing. God brings forth life. We don't have the capacity to do that. Everyone in this room today who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior has a story. And your story is connected with his story. And some of you may think, but my story isn't special. I came to faith in Christ as a small child. Thank God for that. Right? Thank God for that. Some would say, do you know what? I had a mom or dad or grandma or grandpa and they prayed for me and I came to faith in junior high. Well, thank God you came to faith in junior high or high school. And some would say, do you know what? My journey was different. But when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, he transformed me. We all have a story. And there's times where we can share some of our story. And there's other times we can share all of our story. But we all have a story to share. And ultimately, it's to connect with God's story. And if you're here today and you'd say, Al, what are you even talking about? My story, God's story. And maybe you haven't come to the point where your life has been connected with God. Well, trust me, God's still a part of your story. Because he's wanting to bring you to himself. We're told it's not God's will that anyone should perish, but that all should come to him.
It might be that God gives you opportunities to just share some of his promises with people. They're going through something and you're just sharing some of his word with someone saying, this is what God showed me or this is what God did for me. It may be you give a Bible to someone. You say, hey, you need to check out the book of John. And for someone else, you may say, when you finish the book of John, start reading other parts. It might be that you just invite someone to one of our gatherings or possibly to, you know, their children of VBS. And you say, hey, let's, you're not able to volunteer, which it's good to volunteer for VBS. They need helpers. Did you hear? But you're, you're able to say, hey, let's, maybe we can do lunch after VBS or whatever it takes and just getting people around this place. A farmer could prepare the soil and plant expertly and give proper care in the days to come. But he is not the one who gives life to the seed. And you may share your faith with someone. And you may be here today thinking, Al, I've been doing this for a long time. Listen, I know someone who's been sharing their faith with someone for 45 years. And I asked that person, what motivates you? And they said, the hope of what Jesus Christ is able to do. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 tells us. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. All of us have a different part, right? You may be the one who's stirring up the soil, so to speak, and, and planting and, and watering. And, but ultimately, it's God who brings forth the growth. It's not us. I love where in Mark chapter 4 it talks about the farmer even sleeping. Because we all need sleep, don't we? What good would it do for the farmer to do his part and then just stay up all night long worrying? I wonder if it'll work. I wonder if it'll work. I wonder if it'll work. And sometimes when we, we share faith with others, we can get to that point too. I wonder if I answered all their questions. The reality is sometimes people ask questions. It's like, I'm not sure. I'll try to find out. Let's try to find out together. We second guess ourselves on what we said. Maybe I should have said something else. Maybe I said the wrong thing. We sometimes even worry that if somebody comes, doesn't come to Christ, is that all on us? I'd like to say absolutely not, because who gives the growth? Who produces the result? Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, I was at Great Lakes Naval Base in school. And I was on, like, in between phases, whatever it was, and I was helping out with an instructor. And this one instructor I was with for several weeks, I was sharing my faith with him. I was wanting to see him come to Christ and sharing with other people. And it was just something God gave me a passion for. I didn't know much. All I knew was that Jesus loved me and forgave me. And I would say that to anybody who would give me the opportunity. And sometimes I'm sure it was very annoying, right? This one night, I'll never forget, evening, a knock at my door in the barracks. We have four guys in a room and in my barracks. And this guy by the name of David was standing outside. And David said, so, uh, you going to tell me? I was like, tell you what? I didn't even know who he was. I I said, well, first of all, who are you? He said, I'm David. I said, I'm Al. He said, I know that. That's why I came to your room. (laughs) 
you know. And I said, what's up? And he said, well, you're, you're telling, you know, he's talking about the instructor. You're telling people about Jesus. Are you going to tell me? I was like, what? He said, are you going to tell me or what? You know, and he got real, like, in my face. He came to Christ that day. Now, guess what? Who got the glory for that? All God, right? I didn't, he didn't leave, and I thought, wow, look at what I did. I didn't even know where he came from. <laughs> he was on my floor, and it was almost like one of those things. I'm not even paying attention to the people around me. I'm not sure. But I know this. God did it. It was almost like, Al, I'm going to push you aside, and I'm going to be the one to shine. The instructor, who I really thought would come to Christ... Never came to Christ while I was there. Somebody who I didn't know was a person who came to Christ. The Lord is always to receive the glory. I love this. Luke chapter 15, verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. In seeing a harvest of people come to know Christ as their Savior... It's important for us to always do our part. But to remember, that's all we can do. We can only do our part. Be a faithful witness. Be attentive and an active listener. And be reliant on God to produce the result. Our part is only our part. Be a faithful witness. His part is his part. And that is life-giving. It is beyond what you and I could ever do. Romans chapter 1 verse 6 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul realized that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, it was the power of God to salvation. Talking about being supercharged. It's what God is able to do. The third parable we're going to look at today is the mustard seed. Mark chapter 4, verse 33, 32, we read the following. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up. And becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The Lord produces new life in Christ and his followers have the privilege to be a part of his kingdom work. And here we think of the fact to be confident in the harvest that will not fail. Be confident in the harvest that will not fail. On the screen, we have a picture of mustard seeds that are being placed on a soil, and they're just very tiny. Now, the reality is the mustard seed is not the smallest seed known to botanists. It just happened to be the smallest seed that the people at the time knew, that Jesus was referring to. Did Jesus know the smallest seed known? Absolutely. He's part of creation. It's just if he would have used that seed, they would have been saying, what are you talking about? A what? So Jesus said, I'm going to use the seed they're familiar with. 
That was a mustard seed. And by the way, those little seeds, we'll go to the next picture here. Pretty big plant, huh? 15 feet tall from those little seeds. And it's all about the reality that what will take place. With his final parable, the mustard seed, Jesus was ensuring his disciples. And he's ensuring us that the work of being a faithful witness for him will produce an abundant harvest of Christ followers far beyond comprehension. Because it's beyond us. It's not what we're able to accomplish. It's what he's desiring to accomplish. Talk about humble beginnings. Jesus was born in a manger. The infant now known worldwide. The original disciples were not highly educated or part of the religious elite. They were often fearful, slow to believe, and spiritually weak. Can you think of anybody like that? I know I'm one of the ones. I think, boy, that's me. Yet Jesus empowered his disciples to spearhead a worldwide movement. Jesus began with 12, they grew to 70, and then to 120, and on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to know Christ as their Savior. And now, by God's supernatural saving grace, more than hundreds of millions of people have come to know Him. A well-known Bible scholar said this, in spite of numbering so few and facing severe opposition, the disciples could proclaim the gospel in the confidence that they were instruments in building God's invincible kingdom. That which was weak and frail under divine power was the beginning of the unstoppable and eternal completion of God's redemptive plan. Let's look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Talk about a beautiful picture. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Believe it or not, there's going to be a day where you're going to be in heaven and you may see some people there you don't even like. You may see some people there and you never thought they would be there. There's going to be people from all over this planet. Languages you've never heard of. People groups you've never even thought about. They're going to be worshiping. Isn't that awesome? Let's, let's give a shout out to God. Because God's going to do it. And that's what it's about. Listen, that's, that's just... I, I just can't wait. But it is God. Who does it? Our message is not that we have it all together, but that we know the one who does. Listen, we're not supposed to go and tell people, oh, you ought to check out my life. Man, I, you know, Jesus is my Savior, and because he's my Savior, look at my life. It'd be like, I don't want that, right? Most people would think, Al, <clears throat> please, I don't want it. I don't want it. But it's about who does have it all together. And that is Jesus Christ. The one who does redeem. The one who does bring things to places that we never thought 
they could be. Many people in this room today could say this with me. If they could see me now. What God has done in your life. How he's walked the journey with you. What he continues to do and the surprises he brings. And I understand. I say some of this and in the very same part. Some of us are thinking, but there's, there's some things that are so painful. They're hurting so bad. And I just wish. But in the process, we know God is. And God always will be. The following was written by Mac Owen, who owned a cabinet shop and built cab- cabinets for almost 30 years. And he's now the national director of Celebrate Recovery. And he wrote the following. When we purchased our new home, I was given a handful of keys. Some were to the house. Others were to a couple of sheds located on the property. I went to check them out and found that one of the sheds was locked with a padlock that had obviously been around for a very long time. I looked through the keys and found one that was pretty old looking, thinking that one best matched the lock. But it wouldn't open. I then tried the other keys with no success. I began to think that nothing would open that old, rusty lock. Finally, there was one key left, a bright, shiny new key that I was sure wouldn't open the ancient lock. But I tried it anyway, and that old, beat-up lock popped right open. And I'd had a chance to think about it. I realized that the old lock is a lot like me. Nobody thought that I would amount to anything, but all I needed was the right key to unlock my heart. And that key was Jesus Christ. We didn't look like much of a match. Me with all my sin and him with all his purity and holiness. But then he came into my life and I opened right up to him. God is saying to each of us, you're worth everything to me. Let me unlock your heart. If you're here today or listening online, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today. Let Jesus come into your heart and open it up. Listen, Jesus is able to do for you what you'll never be able to do for anyone, yourself or anyone else. If you're here today and you may be saying, Al, I just ask that God would help me to be a faithful witness. I want to see his redemptive purposes in other people's lives. God's going to help you. God wants to do that. As we pray, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today to trust him. Transfer your faith from yourself onto him. The one who went to the cross, who died and he rose again to conquer sin and death. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are thankful for you, for who you are and all you've done. And if you're listening online or with us today, and if you'd say, Al, I would, I would like Jesus Christ to be that one who would forgive me and love me to unlock my heart today. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me, but it's not about the magic of the words. It's about the transforming supernatural power of a holy God. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I ask you to 
Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and be my Savior. Jesus, help me to follow you. Jesus, do in my life what only you can do. Thank you, Jesus. You might want to just take a moment if you're here today and maybe God's put someone on your heart to pray for. An action step you'd like to leave with today, just ask God to help you. Father, we thank you for who you are and all you've done and all you're going to continue to do. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace, for your saving power. And thank you, Father, that it's your redemptive plan. It's not all on us. We can now do our part. And, Father, you have the incredible capacity of bringing forth life. Father, be with each one as we leave this place today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for one another, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless.
words I've heard all my life, and its truth and power will always remain. But as my eyes close and mind awakes, no words come to fill the space. 'Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. I'm supposed to do.